filibuster received sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. It's been a very long day. Um, my kids are totally done with, with quarantine. Every little thing sets them off. Um, and every little thing sets me off um, <laughs> as well. Um <laughs> My my car is not working right now. I have to take it into the dealership tomorrow morning. And then right before we were uh, about to start this show, when we were doing our final like pre-show Slack messages and everything, Slack just stopped working. And um, I, I basically had a panic attack. I literally texted. I started a group chat, uh, in, a group text with Jason and Ben saying, Slack is broken. Panic! Which uh, in turn became my crisis uh, because a thing a thing that I don't want uh, is a group text really ever, um, but especially when it's a group text that I didn't I like I'm not prepared for and it, it isn't also uh, to be fair to me not conveying any particular information that, that I need I don't need to know that Adam is in a panic <laughs> I kind of already figured that out. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so my reaction was like my phone buzzed on my desk and I was like, oh, a text. I I almost I'm I'm miming it, but like I like lean back like to get away from it almost. Um, you literally while, oh, 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 while I was reading Adam's first text, uh, his second text came, uh, which was the panic uh, thing, and it's in my hand. And my phone buzzed again. I was like, oh, oh come on. Um, <laughs> And so uh, that crisis that Adam was having quickly expanded to get me. It infected me. The, the crises, uh, uh, patient zero is Adam. And, and I, I guess I'm now a crisis vector. Um, I need to be quarantined from further crises. Ben, what crisis did I pass on to you? Uh, I don't think any in particular. I've had my own personal so crises. You're, you're an asymptomatic crisis vector. Uh, I'm, well... No, I'm I, I'm treating myself with the the proper treatments for for crises. AKA, a number of weeks ago, I went on SSRIs, which is a good, which is what I should have done ten ten years ago, and I just started now. But they're great. <laughs> if you think you need them, you probably should. Mental health is important. It is. I was also um, just also texting important. Jason a lot to to try yeah. and make him more anxious. Is it important for us to know that much like not on the group chat, like, just straight to Jason? We're not uh, our legal advice doesn't hold any standing. Our medical advice also doesn't hold any standing. Oh no! Uh, oh, of course not. None of us are doctors, or even close. Um, uh, none of us have gone to, you know, we're definitely further away from doctors than we are from legal advice. Cause at least Adam yes, graduated definitely. law school. Yes. He still can't give uh, legal advice, but he at least graduated law school. Right. No, none of us so much as took one course of pre-med to the, to the best of my knowledge. Um, nope. I should I never even for, college level biology. 
I, I think nope, the closest I've I. got is that I, I worked at a company uh, for some time uh, before the site existed that uh, I had to be vaguely aware of uh, uh, HIPAA rules because I had some um, biostatistical research uh, data uh, was kept physically in my office. I um, also have to be aware of they wanted to move it over my job, but so, yeah, some of my job was moving that from paper to digital uh, because it was a grunt job. Um, Weirdly, that's the closest I've got to doctor uh, knowledge qualifications. of HIPAA rules is way closer to legal advice than medical advice. So mm. uh, you're still not. No, I mean, close. don't take our medical advice is, is the point here uh, on anything. Probably. It's just my personal recommendation, not a medical recommendation. Right. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and not medical advice podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. And we have DC United and MLS news to talk about tonight. So we are going to get to that momentarily. After that, we will talk to Felipe Martins, DC United midfielder. Um you know he him. You may or may not great have strong in the future. Ben just ripping the bandaid off. We already talked to Felipe. We recorded that earlier. So uh, really nice interview. Great, great chatty fellow. Very delightful is Felipe. Um, before we do any of that, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I happen to live near a. Uh, rib restaurant that became more of a tap house uh, in recent years. And so uh, shout to them, uh, Adam's Tap House in Edgewater. They have a huge selection, and they're doing Adam, to go. Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. Yeah, your your multiple location, uh, very well liked in this section of Anderson County uh, Rib Restaurant slash Tap House. I feel like I should um, be getting more money for that. You should. Uh, I don't know why I never see you there, um, but they they have a wide, a pretty story. wide range. Um, I was tempted. I've got to say, I, I could have brought back an old joke by getting an Oktoberfest uh, growler fill. Um, the same, the it's same the, one. It's not the right company is the problem. Um, it's it's Spotten, so it's not the same uh, brand of Oktoberfest. So the bit would fail. Don't believe you. Um, it is. Spot- I can send you the menu. Uh, it's, but I mean, it, it was not. I think Spotten probably owns all other Oktoberfests. So at the end, it is just the same Oktoberfest. I don't think that's true. I think it is. I think um, you're stretching, Ben. I'm not. I'm not going with you on this journey. Uh, but I, it wasn't the right kind of Oktoberfest. Uh, so instead of re- reopening that old wound, uh, I got uh, Jailbreaks the Infinite uh, American Amber Ale. Um, it's very good. Jailbreaks uh, up in Laurel, uh, so it's not far from here. Good, good Maryland uh, folks making beer. I like them. Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking a vodka bitters because that's about all we got. I could have made a bloody Mary, but a bloody Mary at 10 PM is getting weird. not is getting weird. And I, I didn't, I chose not to. I would like to point out that time is a social construct and I nothing mean, has proved that more than the last nine weeks. Right. But we're still, it's like, it's still, it's dark outside and a bloody Mary when it's dark outside, regardless of time is still. Uh, like chaos. I, rain. Still, I mean, yeah. I mean, I like a very umami bloody Mary, a very spicy bloody Mary. So I'm also mad. Okay. This is another side, but you've brought it upon yourself. <laughs> I, I, have th- I have three different 
horseradishes, but none of them are actually spicy horseradish. And it just makes me sad because I like the hot punch of horseradish and all I've got is mild horseradish. Which That's makes very hard for you. I'm sorry. You, but you have three different I mean, I mean, kinds of mild. Oh, yeah. What are the three different kinds? Do you have like grated and prepared and We have prepared, grated, and another grated. Okay. And I mean, it, yeah, so, like obviously it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things or even in the, the non-grand scheme of things, but I just want... Ben, I don't downplay This is the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody. No, it's not. I've had many harder things that have happened to me personally, but I just would prefer to have hot horseradish. That's all. It doesn't uh, mean anything. It's pointless. Last week, I, uh, did, I I ordered some oysters online from a Virginia oyster farm called yeah. Sabbath Farms. and Because uh, we got the oysters in Virginia. Because they deliver to places in D.C. Um you have to order triple digits of oysters to get them delivered to your door. So I just, I just ordered 25 and that's they, not triple digits. No. So they didn't deliver them to my door. Instead, they delivered oh. them to hellbender brewing in DC, um, which is a, a good local brewery. And I went up there and got my 25 oysters and bought a couple crowlers of hellbender beer. And I'm drinking one of those tonight. It's the, uh, funk in the dunk, Barrel aged Dunkelweiss. That sounds good. And it's uh, I mean, it's a nice, tasty, dark beer. A better story that I might have told was uh, for and Mother's you're Day. Now. <laughs> yep, uh, I got twenty four oysters from Rappahannock uh, Restaurant, which is Virginia's uh, premier oyster company, and I shucked them myself. Yeah, these I shocked myself. Uh, I never shocked oysters. I bought the gloves and the knife, and uh, very happy to have the glove. I strongly encourage anyone. I don't have the oysters. glove. Wow, I would have murdered my hand. I would have gone to the hospital. Which I just have. I, I just put a rag on top on my oh, non-shucking hand, and then yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I got the the glove, and you know, it's probably a better and, idea. I shredded my hands a little bit. Yeah, I was I was very glad to have it. Otherwise, I would have been stabbed myself multiple times. But it well, is delicious to shuck your own oysters. It is. They are super fresh and wonderful and good. And uh, Wait, let's talk about soccer. Can I, didn't I ask have one any question? Oysters. Can I ask one just, question? Just Jason, you, I know you didn't have them, but do you like oysters, Jason? That's my question. Sure. Uh, it, usually, I, I only ever get them if it's like, oh, this place specializes in oysters and I'm already here. It's one of those things that I don't think of going to get, but if they become available, I'm like, oh, oysters. Um, but that's how I am with a lot of things. So it's not oysters fault. It's just a general affliction that I have where I forget most of what exists until it's right in front of me. I'm like, oh, hey. We should definitely have uh, a black and red An oyster party? filibuster oyster party yes. at some point once, you know, human company is allowed again. Uh, we'll, we'll order oysters cheap from probably a Virginia oyster farm and uh, bring the, the, the shucking knives and go to town. It'll be fun. Just w- wandering around town with our, our oyster shucking knives and our gloves, uh, but not in an oyster. Uh, like people, people won't have the context. It'll just be three people with oyster shucking knives and gloves and be like, hold on a second. Well, number one, 
at least a couple of our listeners are going to show up too. So it'll well, be at least five of us. only show up with their oyster shucking knife and their glove on before you get there. Yes, obviously. <laughs> well, uh, leave your also, house with it ready to go. My assumption was Don't that we would meet in a park or public place or some other venue, not just meander around town searching for oysters. No, no, no. We would be walking to a place, but I assume that, you know, we would all have a walk on our hands. You can't usually in DC, you can't just like park wherever you'd like um, is my experience. Uh, you can't pull up on the curb in front of the oyster restaurant or like pull your car directly into their door. You can't do that. You have to go park somewhere else. Or ride the metro. Just park on just yeah. park on the National Mall. And the metro don't. doesn't drop you off at the restaurant. You gotta walk. Generally speaking. They're, Again, they're trains don't, you're like you get off the train and you're not in a restaurant, you're in a metro station. Maybe and, that's, and that is the time where I would like to know, and I'm never gonna see it, but I would like to know that people got off the metro with a knife in hand and a glove in hand and or on hand and uh we're just walking well, around. Now, well, now this makes me think of Jiro dreams of sushi and why aren't there sushi restaurants or oyster restaurants in the DC Metro stops? It's a very fair question. I agree with no, this it, question. No, it, it isn't. It would be awesome to have like cheap oyster shooters in the Metro. Yeah. That'd be outstanding. Like if, I, if I were commuting into my job or away from my job and I could just like, slurp two oysters while I was going into town or away from town, I'd be like, yeah. I feel like the answer to this question, the why is there not, it would require like a, a massive restructuring of American society and philosophically and physically. Uh, We're already there, this, Jason. We're already restructuring all are, of American society. So why not just put oysters? Right, what I'm saying, I'm now the time. what I'm getting to is that it might be beyond the scope of this podcast to get into exactly the series of events that would have to happen for us to get to the point that uh, there would be numerous oyster restaurants that are cheap uh, and easy to access from inside the metro station. That's what I'm, I'm telling you, Jason. If there's no new news between now and next <laughs> episode week, 404 be will be our episode about, about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get Paul Weidefeld, the uh, the general manager of Metro on, and we are going to berate him until he agrees to put oyster <laughs> restaurants and Travis in Croxton the Metro. of Rappahannock Oyster Company. Yeah, we'll we'll Perfect. make this happen. Anyway, for now. We have to turn to soccer because there's news. There's actual blessed news about MLS to discuss uh, a few different items. The first one, the big one that we're going to talk about is uh, reports about MLS, their, their first concepts and ideas about resuming play uh, are, are starting to come out. Um, the centerpiece appears to be everybody moving to Florida for a couple of months. When I say everybody, I mean players, coaches, team staff, media uh, that cover the media? teams, potentially. Maybe. Uh, at least the... the no, no media is going to pay for that. Who knows? Uh, probably not, but uh, ESPN will have people there to sure. cover the games. The people who are actually uh, calling the games will be there. The it involves a really compressed schedule. Like the, the timeline is, is almost, almost clearly um, overly ambitious. Uh, Teams would move to Orlando by June 1st 
start training individually a week later, small groups can train a week later. Uh, it, the whole teams can can finally do full training. And a week after that, they start games on June 22nd. It's a three-week timeline to build up fitness after two months off. And then they would play probably twice a week for four or five weeks. And that's all we know at this point. We don't know if there's a transition to go from that to something more regular for the rest of the year, whether that's playing in home stadiums or partially home stadiums or in front of fans or not in front of fans, probably not. Um, or whether this would just be a little self-contained tournament that would have no bearing outside of itself, whether it would replace the season. We don't know. Everything is still reportedly very up in the air. So um, as we, as we found out from Felipe, a formal proposal to, the players writ large hasn't even happened yet. So As we will find out. Ben, you're the one that As let the cat out of the find bag out, on that but one. Not us. You meeting the listeners, not you meeting you, Ben. Anyway, uh, that that's the the big news. Um, yeah, and I have many thoughts that like this plan are very inchoate. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, for one thing, the plan is kind of confused still. Um, yes, you know, the, the fact that they're not sure what these games would actually amount to, uh, is very strange to me that they're at the point where people are willing to talk. Um, and, you know, credit to Sam Stachel and Steve Goff, I think are the people that got Mm -hmm. the details on that, um, over the last few days and, and breaking a lot of it out literally today, which is good timing for us, uh, being a podcast talking about soccer, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, like Adam said, there could be a tournament that's just its own thing. Um, there could be those games count towards the, the regular season. No one really knows what those games are going to mean. So at a certain point, you want to like, well, why are you going to play games where you're not even sure why you're playing them? Um, and, you know, that's also they're talking about having people uh, having players flying to Orlando in three weeks. Um, that feels like a crazy optimistic time that that's like a, like inexplicably yeah. uh, 50% of the, the people or 50% of the coronavirus cases simply ceased to be a problem. And we're just, everything was fine. Uh, and there was no explanation and no one did anything. It just, that's how it happened. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen um, again. We're not doctors, but uh, I feel like that 50% of the disease cases aren't just going to clear up by themselves and, and never be a problem again. Um, so as much as we all want the league to return, I look at this planet, it just, it feels very unrealistic to me. Um, but I do get the clustering thing. Um, maybe they should just fly out now and not in three weeks. So they have more isolation time. Well, so what's wild is during the first week they'll do, they'll allow individual workouts. Like some markets are allowed to do now the league last week allowed players to start individual training training at their team's training grounds, but only in markets where the government has allowed that. So yeah, the league said they would stop. They would step out of the way. Right. If, if you are in a market where that's not the case, then there's nothing, nothing changed for you. Right. So there's only, I think five or seven teams that are actually have players that are able to do that right now. Um, And so the idea would be for the first week in Florida, that would be the case and the players would be quarantined otherwise. Um, 
of course, we know that this virus has a two-week incubation period in some cases. So, a one-week quarantine doesn't seem that effective. Um, there might be testing twice a week as part of this if they can get the tests and if they decide that it's good PR to test these players twice a week when there's a lack of testing in many parts of the country right now. Um, there's there's a lot of things. Players would be leaving their families uh, for two months to yeah, be quarantined is, in Florida. It, while at the same time... Things, that's one of those things that gets kind of like, oh, well, yeah, and the players also just be, have to leave their families. Like, I, I feel like a lot of players enjoy their families. Um, yeah. It, it, I feel like people don't necessarily want to be like, well, wife and children, see you later. Um, and then... I'll be gone for an indeterminate amount of time where I might catch a disease. Um, In some cases, like very new children. That. Yeah. Um, really not a popular thing in, in uh, most places. I'm sure, um, you know, the, the players will probably have more to say on that once they even know what this is supposed to be. Um, but that's not a, that's not a small issue as much as the other stuff is also big issues. Like it's, it's awfully weird to me to be asking people to not get tested uh, so that some guys could play some soccer. Um, like, yeah, we, we, this podcast needs the soccer, but also like, don't, don't take those tests from, from the citizenry uh, to go just towards this tournament or whatever it is. Right. And on the players leaving their families thing, they're also being asked. Uh, it's been reported to, to take a 20% pay cut. Across the board, right. all players, 20% off the top of their salaries for this year uh, because of the crisis, which Probably they're not, not playing games. There's lots um, of issues, but at the same time, that's kind of the risk you take when you run a business and asking your players, your workers to to take a, a pretty major pay cut while also completely upending their lives. Kind of a big deal. Um we know that the collective bargaining agreement, the players union and the league agreed to this winter has not been ratified. It's not finalized yet. So uh, the league does have the legal option uh, to lock players out at any time. If the players to say, no, we don't want to only accept four fifths of what we're owed. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things up in the air right now. And but but also neither version has a force majeure clause, so right. the players do have some uh, leverage in this situation as well. Right, they would, especially if the CBA had been ratified. But the fact that there is no CBA right now means that oh, they're still operating they, under the previous one, which also doesn't right. have a force majeure clause. That's true, but that that can be suspended at any time. But I, I will, but say, not without ratifying a new one, right? No, the old one ended and they're just they continued it voluntarily no, I, I right, but, but under, neither one has a force we might need to, to know the facts on this one. They, they're I, I believe they were, were operating under an agreement to continue using the old one um uh, like a, a formal extension basically while they negotiated the one that was agreed upon but not ratified right that one was time limited though that that extension right but they they may have continued because at a certain point like i i think there's there's an issue with them not having anything it's got to be like oh we signed another extension blah 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 but i don't know right. the details on that right and it, my assumption would be that they were playing under the terms of the new one pending ratification right. um 
but because it's not ratified, it's not actually binding and they can say no, they can formally decline to ratify it and lock the players out would be something right. the owners could do at any time. Um, right. But a lockout is different than what the USL players are dealing with. Yes, correct. Um, the USL players are, they have a, they have a CBA in place, right? No. No, yeah, they don't. I don't believe so. And, and they're, they're recognized as a union, but they don't have uh, a not, Well, they're recognized as union on the player's side, but the okay. ownership has not recognized yeah. them. Okay. And the ownership is putting in a force majeure clause, and they don't give a crap about what the players care about. Which I mean, is rough. That, yeah. yeah, it's bad. Uh, and yeah. that's very often the dynamic in right. labor versus management negotiations. Uh, uh, anyway. Screw management. <laughs> uh, I, I will say that the, the clustering thing is probably a necessary idea whenever this comes back, uh, even if it's well down the road, just from the fact that basically if you start having games in everyone's market, you're, you might as well have everyone clustered in the most likely market for players to end up catching coronavirus. Um, it's a weak link. As I said in freedom kicks, it's like a weak link in the chain kind of thing. Um, so if you can cluster in one place that has a lower rate than that, it's probably for the best. Um, not that you can just cluster an entire league anywhere because it turns out you need lots of fields and hotels and blah, blah, blah. Um, so their options aren't limitless there. Um, that's probably the bigger thing, but it does whenever they get around to it. And I, I feel like they have to be more realistic. This time frame, this time schedule that is out there seems uh, completely unlikely to me. Um, but whenever they do get around to it, I, I feel like the there will be a phase where everyone's playing in one place, even if we're talking about playing games in like September. Um, and who knows at that point what it becomes, maybe this weird tournament idea becomes more of a thing because how many games can you play? Um, uh, I did do some, some math on the idea that if they're asking a 20% pay no cut, math. I did the math. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, you can, you can just continue existing. You don't have to do any math. You can um, take his math advice. Correct. <laughs> no math advice was offered nor taken. Um, but if you if you take 20% off the schedule, if you say, okay, they want a 20% pay cut, maybe they're also cutting the schedule by 20%. That gets you to 27 games. And you can get through a, I mean, granted, the schedule is still bonkers, but um, you can get through a Wednesday-Saturday dynamic um, and play 27 games. The- does that include the two games already played? Uh, I didn't include that. Um, okay. So you, you could factor those in. and But then you get into, like, do you play through Thanksgiving? Um, who knows? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what we're going to do with any of this because none of it, you know, playing Wednesday, Saturday for 27 games uh, is a disaster. Even if you even if every team has the most uh, well planned out rotation uh that anyone has ever come up with. Um, it's still, you're just asking for guys to break down at that point. Moses um, Nyman is going to play 20 games this year. I mean, there is the real prospect that guys like Nyman and Griffin Yao and Kevin Paredes get major minutes, starts, um, which would be good for their development, but it also is, you know, 
it's good for their development, but it's like we're doing this because otherwise we just ground our players into a pulp. Um, and that's yeah, not the, um, don't do that. The one bone that that IFAB, the the group that makes that that ratifies rules internationally, the, the, has the stodgy thrown. Old men. Yes, they are the stodgy yes. old men. Uh, they are all of them English. They are probably members still of old Etonians. Uh, all of them are British, not English. Right. No, I'm saying uh, I'm saying they are only English. There are no Scots no, 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 and no, 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 no Welsh. There are Scotsmen and Welsh. Uh, this is part of the agreement to get uh, the United Kingdom into FIFA, and they've kept oh, this uh, power. Yes, uh, soccer history—it's unfortunate. Um, anyway, yes, the they membership have... is the FA, the Scottish Football Association, Wales, Scotland, and FIFA has a couple of seats. Yes. Okay, but Wales has as many seats as Wales has infinitely more seats than the United States or Brazil. <laughs> just to pick another country that might have a say in this sort of thing. Anyway, they, they have approved a proposal from FIFA to allow five substitutions uh, on a temporary basis for the, I, I don't even know how long I assume the rest of this year, whatever seasons are underway um, possibly even into next year. Um, they have to be made during no more than three interruptions in play. So you have halftime and then the three potential subs to make five substitutions if you want. So there, they are allowing potentially if MLS adopts this, which there's no indication whether they will or won't, um, that would allow for more player rotation within a game and also potentially some interesting strategic and tactical changes in a game. But we won't talk about those these- right now. Are we going to call these the Mike McGee memorial substitutions? <laughs> He's not as long dead. as we don't. <laughs> I don't think that the should Mike matter. Mike McGee honorary <laughs> substitutions. Um, they, they are going to be weird. If if that's, I think your MLS probably goes with it because MLS loves yeah. to weird. go with any rule changes. They're usually the ones that are like, let us try this rule change. Um, but it, it is going to get weird because that means to use all five of your subs, two of your three substitutions have to be double subs. Um, or you can Unless do you one triple sub. You, you could, yeah, you could have time or like one triple sub uh, at one mm-hmm. point, or you could send all five in at once, which would be astounding. Oh, uh, hockey. Give, give me the line change. Jason, yeah. is Tommy Sohn just waiting to come back to MLS for this alone? A 40-second minute uh, triple sub or, or yes. more? And yes. If USL uh, comes back, he's there. He's there, but he's not coaching. Not yet. Or no, wait, he no, needs he to come back to MLS. Like, Gary I, Smith should be fired from Nashville. And, like, Tommy Zone is a better coach than Gary Smith. I don't care about his MLS cup. Take back. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair, that's a fair take. Um, I also want to clarify, uh, for the, the umpteenth time, uh, someone on this podcast, sometimes it's been me, sometimes not. Uh, we have confused the fact that at Birmingham Legion, Tom Zone is the head coach. Jay Heaps is the president and GM. And I keep wanting to switch them because at times, Tom Zone has England. been a GM while Jay Heaps was the coach um, in MLS. So uh, Tom Zone should just be the head Tom coach Stone of Nashville SC. He's also been an assistant to Jay Heaps. At one at point, New England, right? At New England, yeah. Yes. In Vancouver, he was the GM or technical director or something, right? He, they, they've both done many things, and it's confusing when they are arranged in a new way. 
They're, can we ask your cousin if he would fast. rather have? Can we ask your cousin if he, he would rather have Gary Smith or Tom Sound? Yes, we can ask him. My my cousin Clay, who is uh, has been on the show and is a big Nashville fan. Um, yeah, we'll we'll ask him who he'd rather have. Um, I uh, assume he's going to say Gary Smith. Um, he'd but be wrong. <laughs> he might be. I watched uh, that 2010 MLS Cup. It was my first. That was the first MLS Cup I watched. How did and you I'm still around? a fan. I'm still a fan oh. in spite of that. Was it Breck Shea's hair? No, Is that what kept you around? The, it was no. the thrilling soccer of the Colorado Rapids. It was the fact that there was nothing else to watch. I was in grad school. I had no other options. So when you were in grad school, there was no NBA or baseball or I hockey. I didn't watch those. I was watching Everton and MLS. Yeah, you made the right choice. And I, yeah. and I chose MLS. So on the schedule, there was something that, that I just remembered that I wrote about a way that DC United could play a season essentially just in the, the summer and, and fall. And it's to break the, the league essentially into four groups and just play within that group and then have a one-off playoff. Essentially, what Liga MX does every year with the, the Apertura and the Clausura and then the two Ligias. So that I kind of hope MLS goes that way where they just break the team, the leagues into four groups, whether that's done by geography, which is the way I assumed it would be at the time, because I was young and naive when I wrote this, looking at it back in April. (laughs) Um, And I assumed that they would be able to play in home stadiums. That's obviously not the case, at least for a while, but, um, they could break it down however they wanted to into four groups or or more and then have a have a playoff and crown an actual champion that has you know not a normal notion of of what an MLS season is but have some claim to legitimacy what if they're organized uh, in, in a color gradient from lightest to darkest uniforms i i i'll allow it <laughs> If they're all playing in one place, whatever rubric you want to organize it is fine by me. Order. Alphabetical order is also fine. I would like something with some kind of um, at least nod at competitive balance, but <laughs> like, I don't think it would be great to have the teams all like ha- have your Chicago's and Vancouver's and Nashville's and you know the teams at the bottom all in one group so that one of them, you know, gets elevated to a, a good seat in the playoffs, but um, sometimes that's a price you pay. I, I realize the an alphabetical order league would involve most likely. I haven't actually looked at it, but I think we're chancing a DC United uh, season that has both Atlanta and LAFC in our conference, um, which is maybe not the best plan, but, but uh, if you split it into, if you split it into four conferences, essentially, okay, we'd only that's have one of them. as bad. We get we get Cincinnati and Chicago. That's pretty good. Yeah. So the way uh, I had split it up, competitive reasons, that's a positive. The way I'd split it up was basically the way the way I wanted was essentially a West, Central, South, and East. DC would be in the East with everyone essentially in the Northeast corridor: Montreal, Toronto, New England, NYC, the Metros, Philly, and us. The South would have Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, Nashville, Dallas, Houston. You could throw SKC in there if you wanted to. Um, 
and then the central and the west would be all the other teams um the west is strictly the so west coast and the central is the vast middle cincinnati would not be in our conference no all right i'm already against it <laughs> you want I'm you want those easy points yeah well, one fair. thing we are going to have to tackle with this uh, alphabetical order thing um, is the fact that MLS insists that FC Dallas uh, is alphabetically ahead of DC United, which is incorrect. Um, I don't know. Uh, I know they changed that a couple years ago, and I do not understand it because F it comes after D still in the alphabet. Uh, that hasn't changed. But it's my city. One of the only it's, things my si- it's my city name. Come on. It's understandable. That's what I'm saying. But it, but Dallas. It's their, 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 team not, their city is name Dallas. is not. But their city name is Dallas. Their city name is not football. It's their fault. They wanted to have an FC. They have to go play in the LAFC group. That's what I'm getting at. Is that if but, if FC Dallas is allowed to remain ahead of DC United in the alphabet, which is a farce, um, then DC is in a group with LAFC, and I don't I don't like that. Um, <laughs> I would much rather be in the group with the bad teams, Atlanta and the bad teams, I should say. That's a great name for this a band, by the way. Atlanta and the bad teams. Yes. Is it a great name? I don't think that's a great name for a band. No, it's not. It's great Adam is wrong. It follows the name format very well. It's faithful to the format, but I don't think it actually is a good name. Twitter poll, Jason, put it up. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> All right, anything else you guys want to talk about before we? Throw it over to the interview with Felipe. I think we covered all the the, the big news around the league. There is um, the team uh, parted ways in one way or another with uh, the chief business officer, Andy Bush. Um, also let a few other employees go uh, from a layoff perspective, it sounds like, um, which unfortunately is the, is the way of things right now. Um, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't heard more about these things around the league. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it Salt Lake but, is the big one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the RSL managed to, uh, in their fashion, just step in it as soon as they possibly could. Um, yeah. uh, but that, that's not to say that, you know, not to make light of the, the employees that were let go out there either. Um, right. it's going to be rough. Um, it's going to, I think it's, we're going to see the effects of this when the league does come back. I think we're going to be able to tell that the budgets for the whole thing have been cut down to a certain extent. Um, maybe the soccer, you know, maybe it won't be visible there, but like the, the product, the, the content, everything around the team, the whole experience of following a given team in the league is probably going to be measurably, you know, lesser or more spare um, for a while because these teams were not, in a position to just not have any revenue for this amount of time. Um, and the, unfortunately the people that bear the consequences are the club employees ultimately. Um, and it's not their fault, but just the way it is. Um, and it sucks. It's, it's going to be a weird thing when it comes back to see how much has changed in the character of these teams, because in some cases you're talking, you know, RSLs, the number of people they were talking about letting go, um, that's kind of, it's not a, quite a DC to, uh, 2012, uh, change of the guard, but it's not far from it either. Uh, it doesn't take a lot for the character of a, a club to change. And these things maybe they're not the most important thing right now, but 
they are going to be something that I think around the league we're noticing fans having a changed relationship with their club because the you know the heart of those clubs is going to change because of this. Uh, and to clarify, it sounds like Andy Bush left uh, as a personal decision. At least that's what Steve Goff tweeted uh, after Pablo Mauer first reported um, his departure and and the layoffs. Um, but there there definitely were layoffs. It sounds like so. Uh, our our thoughts are with everyone who who's left the team and best wishes. And I think that's it for this segment. Uh, kind of a down note to end on. But we do downer we've, notes. It's it's you know those kind of times right now. But I can say our interview with Felipe was slash will be delightful, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Please stick around. It's filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens, and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you call the ehrlich law office because you have rights that's right and your rights matter and you deserve to be free from harassment and you deserve to work the ehrlich law office handles workplace discrimination they do civil rights uh if you have a wage theft issue they are there for you if you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Our guest tonight has been with DC United for less than a year, but in that short time, he has jumped into a very public role with the team, making himself available for everything from interviews like this one to calls to season ticket holders just last week. His name is Felipe Martins, and he joins us now. Felipe, welcome to Filibuster. What's up, guys? Good evening, everyone. You know, I'm uh, very excited to to get this going. And uh, thank you for, for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, we're happy to have you. We have a traditional question here. We got to start the interview with. What are you drinking? Okay, uh, water. Is it water? You know, I can't see well. It's dark in here, but I think it's water. <laughs> Tastes we'll like water. You. Smell like wine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How much of that water have you had, Felipe? <laughs> no, no, no. Just as a bottle of wine, keeping hydrating. You know, after a long day, training kids. And, you know, dealing with my mother-in-law and, you know, it's so much going on right now. <laughs> oh, uh, so Felipe, these are yes. strange times. These are interesting times. How are you staying sane outside of the soccer side of things? How how are you? Are you learning any new hobbies? Are you baking bread? Are you uh, what are you doing to stay sane right now? Oh my God! You know what I'm not doing to what I'm doing to don't go crazy. You asking, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, keeping busy. You know, especially 
you know, I got to appreciate much more, you know, everything my wife do at home because with the kids, two kids being 24-7 with them is not easy. But uh, definitely trying to, to keep my mind, you know, like uh, keep a schedule going, you know, like uh, everything set and every day keep the routine, waking up the same time we train, you know, train at the same time we use the train. So when we go back, it's not so different. The body is, is adapted already, you know, in training hard and trying to improve some things that I think, you know, everyone can improve and me is not, is not uh, different. I'm trying to, to work uh, much harder than during the season. I mentioned during the intro that you've been doing season ticket holder calls and I, I got to throw out there. Uh, I got one of those calls last week. I was giving my kids a bath and all of a sudden my, my ticket guy calls and he's like, I have Felipe here. You want to talk to him? I'm like, sure. Let me throw it on speaker and he can talk to my kids in the bathtub. Um, they really enjoyed that. I got to say, and so did I. Yes. You, you looked a little bit, you know, like busy and i i told you i can't understand that you know like and the kids was screaming and you're like yeah i'm very good very good right now you know thanks for the call but then the kids is probably like slapping your face or you know throwing water you know but uh you know i love those those calls really to be involved with the season ticket holder with the fans you know right and especially guys who have kids you know it's it's beautiful to see that uh, Felipe, I was thinking um, the first time you and I spoke after a game, it was right after you got here. And yeah. something you mentioned was that, um, you know, the, the difficulty of moving is maybe not as pronounced for you because you've done it so, so much. And looking through your yeah. career playing, you know, being Brazilian, then going to Switzerland, playing for Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. New York, Vancouver. Um how is that? Because that's such an unusual career path when we look around the rest of MLS, the rest of DC United. There's, there aren't too many people that have that kind of uh, journey to get here. Yeah. Uh, I think the first thing you will learn is that you're going to always have something everywhere in the world. You know, I probably left so many stuff behind me in every <laughs> country I lived in, in mm-hmm. every place I lived. So I still have some stuff in Italy, some stuff in Switzerland you know, papers, everything. But, you know, jokes on the side, I think is, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it and I wouldn't, like, change anything I've done, you know, during my career, uh, like, change-wise, you know, travel-wise. But you learn so much. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much to adapt. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, like, I think, like, uh for me as like in this time is is being not so difficult you know what i mean like it's just like it's for me it seems normal you know to change and go to to another reality and just like being home you know of course is a different dynamic but i think i adapt so so good to the situation um it just occurred to me you know um you mentioned um all the way, it feels like it forever ago, but it was really just last year um, that you left for Europe at such a young age. How does that happen? Um, because, you know, so many players in Brazil, just there are so many clubs, professional clubs in Brazil. How do you end up uh, going abroad at, at such a young age? Okay, so uh, I was playing a small club in Santa Catarina, which is 18 hours drive from my house. And it's like I was wow. doing... Wow. I. 18 hours drive from my house. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, 
and uh, I was uh, around 12 years old, 13, and we were playing the South because there's some championships that is divided by regions, like, uh, you know, so South of Brazil was playing uh, championship and the North was another one. So I was playing the South championship. I did really well. We went to the final. And then this club from Rio de Janeiro saw me and, uh, you know, uh, like brought me from this small club at the age of 13. I moved mm -hmm. to Rio, which is 22 hours drive from my house. And from that city is about 36 hours drive. Mm -hmm. So, and then I moved to Rio. I started to play and this team, you know, was a team that is very famous to send players to, to Italy. Because the owner of this club was played in Catania, he was, uh, you know, he played in many teams in Italy. So every week they would have Italians watching you, you know, different teams. There is players that uh, in Kievo, in you know, Cagliari, Udinese, Atalanta, you know, Verona, everywhere, Fiorentina. So they they went there and they saw me and. And they they liked it. They brought me uh, from this team to 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 go to Italy. I think they paid at the time was hundred thousand euros. And uh, yeah, I moved to to Italy. I moved to Italy and um, I start to. I got there. I couldn't order water, anything. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like uh, I start my journey. I started my journey. I started at the age of sixteen. I I played my first professional match. And, you know, I became professional at the age of 16. Well, you've certainly been uh, all over the place in your career. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about your arrival here in D.C. Um, okay. Had you ever come into a club where you knew the fan base perceived you as a villain like you did here? You know, uh, yes. Uh, you know, I always, always, always played, you know, in... Um, with uh with against uh, against DC and I was always intense games. Rival rivalry is very high. You know everyone. You know I think uh, the fans hate each other. Like players hate each other, and it was very tough for me. You know, but I was really confident that uh, with time and the way I am, the way I try to to represent the team. You know the the heart I put on the field. With time, I think uh, fans would start to see you know that i'm not here to joke around i'm not here to to say i'm missing this and that i've missed my past and i love my past you know i respect everything that is my past but today i'm a you know a dc united fan and i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna give everything and more for this club you know and if i need to fight if i need to to go on the field and you know against red bulls and do anything i need to do i'm gonna do it you know, so that's the way I am. And I think uh, fans is starting to see that. And, you know, I hope to stay here for a long time. For sure. I think uh, you're off the field efforts like calling season ticket holders and uh, whatnot are also helping your case a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's important to, to know that, you know, I don't do this to just to, to do it and say that, uh, you know, to pretend you know, like I'm a good guy or I'm trying to do this. I think I do it because I really think that fans deserve it. And I really love this club. You know, I don't do it for any other reason other than 
trying to in these difficult times help the team, help the defense, and really get uh, to talk to you guys because I really miss you guys. <laughs> I know another way that uh, at least I have uh, found you delightful is the videos that you've been putting on social <laughs> media recently. Uh, th- there's been a couple of videos with your wife. There's been that delightful video uh, with the cutouts of all the other players uh, with Adele. Uh, what's your inspiration for these videos? How long do they take to make? Just just take us behind the creation of these delightful videos. So the, the dancing video talk about 10, 15 minutes because me and my wife, you know, we are put, pretty good dancer and we have uh, our yes, son definitely. is a very good video maker. So he was filming us, my five-year-old son. And really? Your five-year-old was video? Wow. Yes. That's awesome. My five-year-old would not have the frame centered at all. <laughs> if she's listening to this in the future i'm sorry it's true (laughs) (laughs) and then the the other one you know like i i really went to of course and i put my mask on my gloves on i went to staples and i said look i need to do this this you know prints can you help me and she said you only allowed to do three i said this is really important for me i really need those pictures <laughs> so she said okay send me on, on the email i'm gonna do this time but next time it's only three at the time i said okay that's great <laughs> and then i come back home and i did it and my wife said are you crazy and i said maybe i am you know it's the, the quarantine <laughs> getting to me but in the end, I think the video came in very nice. I have a couple other ideas, you know. I just uh, need to put on the plan out. It's a little warmer, and uh, I think I think soon you guys are gonna have a new video. Well, we are <laughs> we are excitedly awaiting those videos. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, another thing wow. that that kind of um, that's kind of you know it, it puts it in perspective how different. Um, the world of MLS is maybe from a lot of other leagues. Um, you're playing for Vancouver. You get traded. Uh, you had uh, maybe one or two training sessions before playing a uh, starting and playing 90 minutes against the galaxy. Um, in the middle of all that, you've got to deal with your wife, your kids, they're in Vancouver. You got to get them here somehow. Um, how, how did that go? That entire process? It seems crazy to me. I, I could barely manage to move myself across town, much less uh, deal with all the rest of that. Yes. I think, uh, you know, we, we're getting used to it for me, especially it's like, you know, I, I got the call around like 11 AM, 1130, you know, at mm. 7 PM, I was in a flight to, to DC and, you know, my wife was like, what? You, is you crazy? I said, yeah, I want, uh, they said, you can get a plane tomorrow morning. I said, no way. I want the red eye and I need to get there. And I got here like around 6.30 a.m. And at nine, I was at the field and I wanted to train already. They said, no, no, take it easy. You know, like just do something. So they were, that was the time they started to learn a little bit about me, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I think it uh, was great, but this is who I am. You know, I just gone from the one to two like really quick and mm-hmm. you know just you know everything is be- in between is just a learning experience uh how long does it take to get um on the family side how long did that take because um you know you get here you train you play and then there's like the rest of your life is, is happening after the game ends. so um how, how difficult was that situation because that seems almost like the 
maybe the more complicated part. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you, you know, there's a lot of steps you gotta take, of course, mm -hmm. you know, like first, you know, breaking the lease and then, you know, you gotta call all the electric companies, uh, phone company, internet companies saying, specifying like the dates that you're gonna move, you know, mm -hmm. like in terms and all of that. And then at the same time, you work with the team. And I think that uh, this is always helped so much in uh, Vancouver as well, you know, like calling the moving company, you know, taking a picture of all the stuff I have. I, we are very organized because we have everything in clear boxes. So, you know, when it goes through the process, because it was, uh, you know, there is, you got to pass by the, you know, the customs, everything, they got to check everything. So we leave everything in a clear box. So they don't need to open up. They see everything is inside and everything is checked on the list. And then, you know, when they got here, I bring to to a storage. You know, I take a, a short-term apartment until we find a place and everything, you know, goes smooth. And, but takes time, you know, takes time and you, you mm -hmm. got a plan. But, you know, I'm I'm a pro on that as well. You know, I move from... <laughs> from <laughs> different countries i moved from montreal to new york from new york to to vancouver and back to to the east coast so i know exactly the steps to take but you know definitely the the guys on the teams helped so much so felipe there have been reports rumors uh newspaper articles recently about the possibility of mls restarting possibly in Florida where all the teams go down to Florida and play many tournaments or games or who knows what at the moment. And we're not asking you to comment about any specifics, but in a hypothetical, what are, what are your thoughts about restarting MLS and restarting MLS away from home stadiums and away from everything that, that is the traditional hallmarks of an MLS season? We're gonna all need a lot of sunscreen, you know. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I think uh, you know if that happened from a player perspective, it's great. You know, it's great because you can see a little light at the end of the tunnel. If everything comes to to an agreement, we we hope to to hear more from that in the next couple of weeks. You know, obviously, I'm not. Um, uh, with the union a representative for the team but uh, you know it's we haven't heard anything other than j just the rumors on on twitter mm -hmm. we just yeah. like everything is uh, it's getting negotiated between the mlspa and when that happened i think the mlspa gonna communicate us they're gonna understand try to everyone to understand well what is the the process gonna look like and then we we're gonna take the you know the the vote but you know for now we we really don't don't have anything uh, yet uh from from the mspa so we just hope uh, as soon as i hear i'm gonna text you guys <laughs> okay sounds okay. good all right we'll hold you to that <laughs> uh before we let you go felipe i wanted to um Talk about your evolution as a player. You came into MLS with Montreal as, as uh, an attack-minded midfielder, really kind of a number 10. Um, and then when, when Jesse Marsh brought you to the Red Bulls, you dropped deeper a little bit uh, and played box-to-box -box and connecting. And, and with DC United, you're, you're a little deeper still. Um, 
I'm curious your thoughts on on that transition and and what's happened at each step and, and kind of your perception of it. You know, it's um, I in Italy when I started, I always played deep in the midfielder on a four three three, and you know as a number six, um, that was I played for most of the time in Italy. In Switzerland, you know, I played uh, as a box to box, and and as a six and as a number ten. So I, for me, wasn't re- like something new really, because I've played all that position middle for me. So it's uh, it's just trying to adapt and and be the best you can be for the team. You know, obviously yeah, with Jesse, I started play box to box, and then he moved me a little higher. Uh, high up the field with uh, Divayo, and uh, you know I had a great time playing there. Is is I'm not like a natural goal scorer, but you know to play in that position, uh, I think I'm able to to connect well in the in the final third. So you know it's always adapting, always adapting and trying to be the best you can be for for the team. I think you guys saw in the first two two games that uh, I I'm getting forward much more this year. Mm-hmm. I'm playing as a as a um, number eight, you know, box on box on on those two number tens or two number eights, and you know it's it's good to get into the box and try to score more goals. And I almost did, you know, in the first two games. But yep. I like the new position. I like the new position. I, I think I can be effective uh, on both positions. But again, I'm here to help the team, and if they play me. As a number six or as a number ten, the importance is always play with the heart and always give everything you have on the field and don't lose that side of me that you know it's it's uh I think is is what people know about me you know the way I play and the intensity I bring. Well, we're certainly going to be rooting for you as long as you are with DC United, Felipe. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online. That's it. We're done here. That's it. Unless you you want to talk more, we can talk more. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, our listeners. I think I hope you guys enjoyed this interview, and I hopefully I can give you guys good news really soon that we're gonna be back in action, and hopefully you know you guys get to see us play and get see us represent this this color there because that's the most important for us. Cannot stress how much I'm looking forward to it. That does it for us. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at blackandredu at filibusterdcu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to to get the word out. I know you're not talking to many people face-to-face, but you know you're online and just throw us out there. Just pick a person Be online. on your Just friends yell list. On Twitter at people. No, don't do that. That's a bad idea. I take it back. <laughs> anyway, do for that. Jason and the very reluctant Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. And oh, thanking Felipe again one more time. He's delightful. Say goodbye, Jason. Never log off. Do log off. <laughs> Never log on, guys. Come on. Oh. Thank you.